you can be seated. And to our students out there, this class session is entitled Praying with All Manner of Prayer. And by way of introduction, I am Brenda Thomas, and I am married to Pastor Mark Thomas, who is also one of the instructors in the class. You may have already taken his class called Spirit Led. I know that you were blessed or will be blessed if you have not yet viewed that class. But Mark and I have been pastors here at Heart of the Bay Christian Center in the San Francisco Bay Area for over 40 years. And I just want to give you a little background as we are building up to our subject of praying with all manner of prayer. And really, it was prayer that led me and also Pastor Mark to be at Ramah at the same time. It was through several supernatural events that we ended up there the same year. And we met, we met there and we were married after graduating in 1977. Yeah, we're kind of, we're older. I'm not going to say we're old, but we've been married a long time. <laughs> and uh, anyway, prior to us coming to the state of California to pastor this wonderful church, we worked with Apostle Jim Caseman, the founder of AFCM, for several years in Minnesota. And quite an, that was quite an experience and a lot of great training working under the ministry of the Apostle Jim Caseman. And we are forever grateful. My husband and I came from really completely different backgrounds. So I want to give you, I just think it's important that you kind of know who we are when we start teaching. So you're kind of wondering, where did she come from? Why does she talk funny, that accent or whatever? Um, so let me just give you a little background. I guess if, they're, if you're listening through an interpreter, you won't know my accent. But anyhow... I grew up on a farm in rural Oklahoma, and my parents, they raised myself and my four siblings, they raised us in a very good Pentecostal church. At a young age, I was born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, forever grateful for that. But I do remember from the time that I was a little girl, I loved to pray and commune and fellowship with my heavenly father. I never looked at prayer as a religious exercise or, or, or a punishment, something you had to do. I know sometimes parents say, you've been bad. You go to your room and you read the Bible and pray. We don't want to teach our kids that prayer is a form of punishment or reading the Bible is because they've been bad. No, I was never taught that. I just loved the word of God and I loved to pray and commune with him, whether it was on my knees, laying across my bed uh, at the altar, which we did every Sunday night around the altar, praying, talking to God, or out in the woods, roaming the 160 acres uh, that I grew up on. I can remember having divine encounters with God. And that marks you. It brands you. We don't live according to experiences, but experiences in God and in the Spirit, they will mark your life and they will help you to stay on the path and the course that God has designed for you. And I do remember this, whether, you know, from that little farm there in Oklahoma, that I could travel around the world in my prayer times, which I did, and pray for people and places and things that, you know, were on the other side of the world because there is no distance in the realm of the Spirit. And in the Spirit is the place that we are to pray from. We're not to be praying out of our heads, out of our emotions, but out of our heart. And when we're praying in the Spirit from our heart, He will lead us and He will guide us and He will give us divine Utterance. Amen. It's wonderful to have that heart and that desire to pray. And all of us would agree that we want to become more proficient and more effective in our prayers. Can I get an amen? amen. 
I know you do. I know that's why you are here. So the purpose of this class is not to bring any kind of legalism into our prayer lives where we get all caught up. Okay, well now, which prayer did I just pray? Did I do the right prayer? Did I mess up? No, the reason for defining different kinds of prayer is to give us a greater knowledge and a greater understanding so that we can get greater results. Anybody want to get greater results and see even more answers to our prayers? So the foundational text for this class will be found in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Classic Version. Praying at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty, to that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, Interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. There's much to be gleaned from this verse. But what we're going to start off with tonight is the phrase, praying with all manner of prayer. Manner. In in our English uh, language, manner, the definition is sort type or kind all manner every kind of prayer the bible reveals that there are various kinds of prayer which we will be uh, addressing in all of these classes and with these various kinds of prayers comes rules and applications may is a better way to say it that pertain to specific kinds of prayer Now, some people will have this attitude. Well, isn't prayer, prayer? Isn't prayer just prayer? That's like saying, well, sports is sports. Well, I am not an athletic person, and I am not really a huge sports person. But I happen to be married to one who is. And here at our church, all of the saints could say amen. We've heard lots of Pastor Mark's glorious sporting accomplishments through the years that he has played sports. Now he doesn't play them so much anymore, but he still watches them. He loves basketball. I don't understand everything about basketball, but I do know this. It would not work if we tried to play basketball with soccer rules. What would happen? There'd be mass confusion and there would be terrible results and maybe even some injuries. But unfortunately, that's exactly what has happened when it comes to prayer. People put all prayer in one sack and shake it up and just say, well, prayer is prayer. But if our praying is not based on the word of God, we're not going to get the results that we want to see. This phrase came to me and student, remember this phrase because it might show up later on on a test. Just remember this phrase because it came to me as I was praying. When we know how to pray effectively over each situation, the need will be satisfied and met. When we know how to pray effectively over each situation, the need will be satisfied and met. Now, there are some components that are involved in every single kind of prayer. First of all, every prayer needs to be prayed in faith. I've looked all in the Bible, and there is not such a thing as a prayer of fear. There's not such a thing as a prayer of doubt and unbelief. So every prayer needs to contain that element of faith. And every prayer needs to be based on the Word of God. And tonight, we're going to start, it might seem a little bit odd to you, but you know, I'm following the leading of the Lord. And tonight, we are going to start talking about the prayer of commitment and consecration. The prayer of commitment 
and consecration. It just seemed good in my heart that this is where we needed to start because I realized, you know, many of you students, I don't know you individually. I don't know your individual circumstances. I don't know all of the obstacles that some of you may have had to overcome to even attend this school. Perhaps some of you have had to deal with some persecution. There could be some people sitting here in our sanctuary that had to overcome some obstacles to get to church. I don't know. But maybe you had to lay aside even some questions concerning events that have happened in your life that you're you're not, not necessarily blaming God, but you're wondering, why did that happen? What was the reason behind that? And so students, I believe this, that you have committed your lives to serve the Lord in whatever capacity he has for you. And maybe some of you, like I said, you had to overcome some things to even attend the school that you are attending now. In the prayer of commitment, the prayer of commitment is staying true to your call and your dedication to him, even when you don't understand things that may have happened. I could ask for a show of hands of anyone who's ever had something that happened to you or happened to a loved one that caused you to go, ah, where did that come from? Why did that happen? We don't always know the whys, but we do know the who. And that will hold us steady. We don't have to live in a state of wondering and questioning and and why did this happen? No, we live in this place of, Lord, I trust you. And I commit my life completely to you, to your will, your plan, and your purpose. And any cares or, or worries or concerns that try to bombard my mind... I'm going to do what the Bible says. That's the prayer of commitment. And it's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, again out of the Amplified Classic. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, Every once in a while? No. Once and for all. On him. For he cares for you affectionately. And he cares about you watchfully. What did that say? Whatever it might be that could be bothering you or trying to attach itself to you or bring questions into your mind. We need to learn to take those things, put them in our hands and then do what the Bible says, cast it over upon the Lord once and for all. And that means we don't cast it once and once on him, but then we pick it back up the next day. No, it means it's settled with finality. I'm not carrying this anymore. I'm putting it over on the Lord. I'm not picking it back up. We can trust in him and be confident in his love for us, that he cares for us, that he's watching over us, that his plans for our life shall come to pass. And we know this of a certainty, that God is good. He is good, and he is good all the time, and he has good plans for each and every one of us. And we refuse to take any of those lies or those other thoughts that the enemy would try to bring to the area of our soul. There's another scripture. If you have a reference Bible, it will probably point this scripture out. It's Psalms 55 verse 22. Psalms 55 verse 22. Once again, in the Amplified Classic, this one says, cast your burden on the Lord. And then it adds this phrase that we didn't see in First Peter 5. Releasing the weight of it. Releasing the weight of it. 
And he will sustain you. He will never allow the consistently righteous to be moved, made to slip, fall, or fail. I think we ought to say hallelujah right there. That's a good place to praise the Lord. It said, I love that, releasing the weight of it. Carrying burdens, cares, and concerns does what? It weighs you down. If you've ever seen someone that's extremely depressed or just heavy in their soul, many times they're walking with their head down, downtrodden because of so many issues and heaviness that has tried to come up on their lives. But this Bible says, our Bible says that because God loves us, he cares for us, we can release the weight of every burden over upon him. And I know that there are parents and perhaps grandparents that are tempted to carry the weight of their children, particularly maybe teenagers or grown children, and they may not be serving the Lord. And it can cause you to just get so burdened. But you know what? If we could have saved them, if we could have changed them, it would have happened by now. What are we supposed to do about release the weight of it? Of course, we stay in faith. Of course, we pray for them, but we don't wring our hands day and night. We're not in a state of panic and anxiety. No, we cast them over on the Lord. We put them into his hands. And then we do this. We say, Lord... Standing on the promises, (laughs) me and my household shall be saved. The seed of my womb is blessed. And so I do enter into rest. That kind of attitude, praying that kind of prayer, not only will it bring you rest, but it will give you peace. Hallelujah. When we pray that prayer of commitment, there's a peace. That passeth all understanding that will come to us, knowing our Father's watching over His Word to perform it in our lives and in the lives of our loved one. Beautiful passage in Philippians chapter 4. If you would turn over there, verse 6 and 7. And again, this is out of the Amplified. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests. We're going to talk about that next week. The prayer of faith and petition. But definite request with thanksgiving. Continue to make your wants known. Like we said earlier, there's no such a thing as a prayer of fear. There's not one of anxiety and there's certainly not one of worry. Worry is like a rocking chair. Gives you something to do, but it won't take you anywhere. You're stuck in the same place all day long, just rocking away aimlessly and not producing any results. We can't pray effectively out of worry and fear. One of our spiritual fathers, Kenneth E. Hagin, and we'll be quoting some more of his material in this teaching. But I remember one time he was, uh, him and his lovely wife, Aretha, at the time they were fairly newly married and the two children were small and Brother Hagin, he just refused to worry about anything. And his wife, Aretha, was just still kind of learning these truths. And so one night they walked up on the porch to go in the house and she said, Kenneth, I don't think you would worry if me and the kids dropped dead right now. And he said, certainly not. Why would I worry then? Too late. Can't do anything about it. Well, I don't think that was probably the answer that she wanted. And if it was marriage 101, I'd kind of tell you, don't say that kind of thing to your mate in that moment. But, you know, (laughs) he was trying to make a point. No, I'm not going to start worrying them. But, you know, we can have this lifestyle of worry-free and peace-filled 
verse 7 that we just read. Let's continue there. And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation. Anybody in here assured of your salvation? Anyone watching? You're assured. You're born again. You're on your way to heaven. Well, this is you. Of that soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with, what's the next line? It's earthly lot of whatever the sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. There's a peace, a peace, a wonderful peace that we can have even in the midst of storms. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Well, I want to share an illustration with you. I like illustrations because I believe that they paint pictures for us and they help us see the Word of God will work in every area of our lives. If it worked for them, it'll work for me, okay? So as I already mentioned, I was born again, spirit-filled at a young age and sensed the call of God when I was just not even a teenager, a young girl. And in that pursuit of wanting to do the will of God and desiring to be in ministry, I did what I knew to do at that time and I attended a denominational Bible college. I only went for one year and I felt like I needed to go home because my mother had become ill. And as I came home, it was during that time that I was introduced to Brother Kenneth Hagin and many of his books. Someone gave me the first book I ever read of his was Authority of the Believer. Yay, that was a good one. And then Redeemed from the Curse of the Law. And so my mother, she became more and more ill. She had cancer and it had started in her colon, it spread to her liver. And this was way back in 1976. 75, 76. And so there wasn't a lot that they could do. She chose to do no treatments. And so I was preaching the word to her, praying and believing for her healing. And at the same time, because I had been introduced to Brother Hagin's teaching, making plans to attend Rama in the fall of 1976. Well, unfortunately, my mother died on January 5th, 1976. She was only 51 years old. I was 21 years old. It was a devastation to all of our family. And it caused me to be full of questions and asking why. Why didn't this work? And you know, and then I even had this thought. Well, I can't go to Rhema. I know they teach on healing. I know that's what Brother Hagin's a faith and healing teacher and believer. And it just didn't work. So I'm not going to go. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. And thank God for a godly dad. We were all devastated. I had two older sisters, two younger brothers. It, it was an awful time for our family. But my dad, in, he knew that there was a call of God on my life. And he really had that same sense that I needed to go to Ramah. He insisted that I go, as a matter of fact. That year, I was thinking about waiting another year. He said, no, you go this year. He actually paid for my tuition. I still had these lingering questions, though. But I knew I had to press through those feelings, those questions, and go. I prayed the prayer of commitment. Lord, I'm committed to do your will, your plan, your purpose, to fulfill the call that you have on my life. And I sense that I need to be at Ramah, even though I'm going (coughs) with a broken heart. But I know... There's answers there for me. And that's exactly what happened. I believe that this is a word for someone too. You need to hear this. Don't let unanswered questions about something that did or didn't happen hold you back. Don't allow that to stand between you and the Lord. Even though I had questions, I was never angry with God because I knew that he loved me. I knew that he loved my mother. I knew that my mother loved God with all of her heart and that she was in my future. I would see her again. 
But if we allow these questions, it can hinder our relationship with him. And it can even stifle us being able to pray effective prayers. So it wasn't long after attending Raymond that one day I was sitting in class. And Brother Hagen began to share about his sister who had died at age 51. And how he wondered why that happened. And why he wasn't able to get her healing for her. But as he was wondering about these things, he was caught up to heaven. And the Lord told him that there were reasons. And he said this to Brother Hagin. It's between me and her. And he shared this scripture. That I think someone needs to hear this in one of the classes or maybe more than one. It's Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us, to our children forever. That we may do all the words of this law. The secret things. There are things that we may not know the why here on this side of heaven. We'd like to have all the answers, but I can just tell you we won't. But we can always trust the who. As Brother Hagen was sharing that, it's such a precious moment. Even to me, this many years later, it was like something just flooded over me. Those questions, that sorrow just begin to lift off of me. And then he even went on to explain, you know, that sometimes people, it's kind of late when they're in a major battle. Even though my mom loved the Lord with all of her heart, she didn't know a lot about divine healing. And he gave this illustration that's it's it's like this somebody out in the middle of a a river and they're drowning and you're trying to yell swimming instructions to them from the bank they're probably not going to learn how to swim at that moment moment and so it just all of these things that he shared and then he also was talking about how their will is involved even though they may be doing their very best, and she was. She was so precious. She loved Jesus so much. And she was clinging to the word that we were sharing with her, doing her very best to receive. But he went on to say, we don't know the pain and the weariness that people may be dealing with when they're in a physical battle or even if they're in an emotional or a mental battle. And sometimes people just decide... I'm going to go home. Well, who can blame him for that? And it just settled it for me. I put it on the shelf. And I really, yes, I do know why I felt to share this. Somebody needs to hear this story. The prayer of commitment is realizing that our Father loves and cares for us. Even when we don't understand things that have happened in our lives. We're casting it over upon him. And we're receiving his grace to go ahead and run our race. And if you do have a loved one that went to heaven early, guess what? Soon and very soon, we're all going to be reunited. And they're cheering you on from the other side. So you keep running your race faster than ever. Amen? So right along with this prayer of commitment is this prayer of consecration. Now, one of the greatest examples of the prayer of consecration found in the Bible is our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Look with me over at Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read quite a few verses here, beginning in verse 36. I'll be reading out of the New King James. Then Jesus came with them. To the place called Gethsemane. The backdrop here, if you don't know, is Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. And he was agonizing over this decision to lay down his life for you and for me. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, which is James and John. And he began to be sorrowful. And was greatly distressed. 
Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. Then Jesus went a little further. He fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Oh, my goodness. That must have been disappointing for him. And he said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and he prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, Nevertheless, I drink it. Your will be done. Your will be done. And he came, he found them sleeping again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them. He went away and he prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and he said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. My betrayers are at hand. So we see there uh, two times listed. And it said he prayed the same prayer again three times. Jesus said, Lord God, my Father, if there's any other way, let that be done. But we can see he was in this spiritual battle. His flesh did not want to go through the agony of the cross and the separation of his father. He knew that was going to happen. He knew he was going to have to go into hell for you and for me. Three days in that horrible place. This was the only time that he ever asked his father, is there another way? Is there something else that could be done? Yet, he was 100% committed and consecrated to the will of his father he said it over and over not my will but yours be done now unfortunately religion has taken that phrase if it be thy will it's kind of camped on it they took it out of context and this that this phrase that was used in this passage and have added it to the end of all kinds of prayers. But the prayer of consecration is the only prayer that it is scriptural to pray if it be thy will. When you're praying for somebody's healing, lots of people that pray for healing in, in other kinds of churches will add that phrase, Lord, heal them if it be thy will. That's not scriptural. It's just as wrong if we were to pray for someone to be born again. Lord, save my loved one, if it be thy will. Otherwise, let him go to hell. No, we know what his will is concerning salvation. We know what his will is concerning healing. He's not willing that any should perish. So we don't have to tack on, if it be thy will, save them. No, we stand on the word and say, me and my household are going to be saved. You're not willing that any would perish. We take the word of God. Now, there are going to be times when there are certain issues in our life that we can't find a specific scripture for. There's no scripture in the Bible that's going to say, Caleb, I want you to live in Castor Valley, you know, or there's no scripture. I know Pastor Tom, we have here on staff, has a beautiful wife named Pastor Kimberly, but he didn't find a scripture in the Bible that said, I want you to marry Kimberly. 
No, he found some scriptures to stand on that God wants you to have a wife. Yay. The Bible says that all of you unmarried guys out there, whoever finds a good wife, you need to get a good one, finds a good thing. Amen. Amen. So we need to consecrate ourselves. And that's the kind of prayer where we can pray, if it be thy will. You know, God wants us to walk by faith in some things, everything in our life. I remember praying as a teenager at that altar. Oh, my goodness, I loved going around and praying at the altar. But we would often pray this prayer. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. This type of prayer can be prayed more than once. And you can add, Lord, I'll go to the mission field if that's your will for me. Because it's a consecration. We're not positive, maybe at that moment, what his will is. And we have to walk by faith. We may not see the whole picture. You won't see the whole picture of your life in the beginning. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Then it says in Romans 1, uh, 5, 117, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. From what? Faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith we walk by faith we take baby steps most of the time we don't take leaps it's a walk by faith and it's as we're walking out his will and his plan for our lives we need to constantly be consecrating ourselves to what he wants to do in us And through us. It's the prayer that we can pray on many different occasions. He's not going to show you his full plan. But as we are consecrating to him, he will help us to touch things in our future. And he will lead us into his perfect will. And he will even connect us with divine destiny. I didn't share this earlier, but this is a real big point and valid point of why I needed to go to Ramah when I went at that time, even though it was a difficult season in my life. Yes, the Lord relieved me and he helped me get through sorrow and thank God for that. But this is huge. There was also another reason I needed to be at Ramah that year in the fall of 1976 my divine appointment was there rhema was only one year back then and if i hadn't gone when i went i would have missed my destiny destiny you students can't see honey here honey stand up wave to the students my destiny (laughs) there he is was at Raymond. My husband was waiting there for me. And if I hadn't gone when I went, some other chick probably would have snatched him up. But <laughs> I had to fight him off. But listen, ladies, he's mine. I call him Jesus' name. <laughs> God arranged that. He knew. Even though I didn't see the big picture, I was consecrated to him. To take the step that I knew to take. And then he made this divine appointment and arranged it for me. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And I think we've said enough for tonight. So I want to close this class tonight. And well, today, whenever you're watching it. I'm at, I'm at night, so you may be a day, but we want to close this class. And I want to just say this to you, as I shared so many personal uh, stories in my own life. It pays to consecrate and commit your entire life to the Lord. It pays to pray and obey. And I just want to encourage people under the sound of my voice, whether you're in the building or you're watching in a classroom, 
that after this class is over and whenever you have the opportunity to spend some time reaffirming your desire to do the will of the Father. Don't get weird about it and, you know, all of this. I got to just search every little thing. No, but just have an open heart and just fellowship with him. And I even did it today. Lord, if there's anything in my life that's not pleasing to you, show me, Lord. I don't want anything to hold me back from doing all you've called me to do. I don't want anything to hinder the sweet fellowship that I have with you and I want to lead you in this confession all of you students all of you here it's actually words from an old song I think I quoted some of it earlier but it's this and I want you to repeat it after me I want you to mean it with all of your heart say this with me I'll go where you want me to go I'll do what you want me to do I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be. Hallelujah. Now that might mean that you're going to be willing to go to your next door neighbor and share Jesus. It might mean that you're going to be willing on the job to share the good news. It doesn't mean that you have to go to another part of the world, but it means you're willing. Willing to do whatever pleases your Father. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been a joy to bring the word to you tonight. And until next week, may God's best be yours. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, for all of us that are here in the sanctuary, I know, I know most of you, and I, I, I know that you love Jesus with all of your heart. But today, I just had a day just waiting on the Lord, and I'm serious. I just opened my heart even wider. Amen. Just opened up my heart wide to Him. It's like, Lord, let the searchlight of the Holy Spirit shine into every crevice of my heart. I don't want to go into this new year with any junk in my soul or my heart that's holding me back. And as we're getting ready to go into this prayer emphasis, I just sense that it's real important for all of us to do that. When we have a clean heart, the Bible says, who shall ascend into that holy mountain? Those that have clean hearts clean lips he wants to take us higher higher in our walk with him but definitely higher in our prayer life the way up is really the way down being willing to just be on our face before him and make that fresh commitment and fresh consecration how many of you will join me tonight and doing that. I want to invite you if you will. You can come to the front and kneel, stand. You can stay at your seat, but if you're staying at your seat, I want to encourage you to turn around and make that place an altar of prayer where you just close yourself in with you and God. Go ahead and come to the front, some of you. I think it would be good just to, as an act of faith, just to say, I'm coming. I'm coming and I'm committing myself. Lord, I commit myself unto your service. I make that fresh, fresh commitment. And PT, whenever you're ready, I think it might be good if we had some music. To center in upon him. Oh, Lord, here we are individually. And here we are corporately, Lord. We want to go higher as a church. Lord, we want to do your will, your plan, and your purpose. Oh, Lord, we commit, we commit, we commit ourselves afresh and anew. Oh, to bring you glory, to bring you honor. Oh, my, 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 And as we do so, Lord, we're thanking you for divine, 
divine utterance that would be granted. Help us, Lord. As we have opened our hearts wide to you, we're asking you to deposit into our hearts those people, those things that need to be prayed about, those people, those those ones. When your heart is as open before him, you might wake up in the morning and you may just see the face of someone. The other day I woke up and it was so unusual. I saw this lady's name in gigantic letters and I just kept seeing it and I just began to pray for her and I texted her and she was so thankful for the prayers. When our heart is open, he'll do those kind of things. He'll drop a person's face, their name, a situation. If our heart's not over flooded with the cares of this life and, and all the things going on in our own lives, then he's able Oh, he's able to use us in a greater way to make a difference in someone else's life, to make a difference in our lives, to make a difference in our church, to make a difference in our nation. Oh, Lord, here we are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here we are, Lord. We wait in your presence. Have your way. Have your way, Lord, in our lives, in our hearts. Have your way. Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
you father he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things I was feeling like there's some here who are you're afraid to surrender completely to the will of the father this prayer of consecration where you're saying Lord not my will but your will be done and and you have that picture of Jesus in the garden and you're like, wow, what if there's a cross in front of me? What if, what if God leads me somewhere I really don't want to go? What if he tells me to give up something that I really want to hold on to? And we could be afraid to say yes to the will of God. We could be afraid to fully commit and say, Lord, whatever you want, I will do. But if we understand that he's the father and he's the God who didn't withhold his own son from us, he loves you. He is for you. He wants the best for you. And if you will say yes to him, if you will say yes to his will, if you'll say yes to his plan unreservedly, withholding nothing, he's only going to bring glory out of your life. He's only going to bring goodness from your, from your yes, from your submission, from your heart of surrender to him. It's only going to lead to good for you, for your family, for everyone that comes in contact with you. And so I want to encourage you tonight to not withhold anything. If there's something popping up in your mind and in your heart where you're like, oh, I, I don't know if I want to put that on the altar. I want to encourage you to lay that before God. And the song that was coming to my heart was, was, yes, Lord, yes. Do you know that one, Pastor Tom? And I just encourage you to sing this from your heart as a prayer of consecration. Father, whatever you desire, you have my yes to your will and to your way. I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, I'll agree. And my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. When your spirit speaks to me with my whole heart, and the answer will be yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. With your spirit speaks to me. Spirit speaks to me with my own. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. The presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is upon you. And as you go to your homes, I would suggest to you to lay down tonight. Just lift up your hands and just continue to worship the Lord. Let what has begun in here saturate you through the whole night. Just be conscious of his presence. The sweet, sweet communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, thank you for what we've heard tonight. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this wonderful group of people that have come, those that have joined in. Lord, I pray a blessing upon them as they go to their homes. May their sleep be sweet. And may the communion and presence of the Holy Spirit saturate them all night long, right into the next day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you say yes, Lord, yes? Yes, amen. God bless you. Have a great night.